right up the Midwest. Aspura takes Midwest, ingratiating late. Aspura, too quick, fresh. Aspura, one Asfura will start favourite here in the Rubiton Stakes Race 8, beautifully prepared by Henry Dwyer uh, since her debut start at Colac, December 21. Uh, she won by quite the margin there. She started 5.50. She rarely runs poorly. Her record tells us that. 15 starts, 8 wins, 3 placing. Should be better. Of course, well documented. Luckless in one particular race where she should have won at Mooney Valley uh, some period of time ago. Well, it's actually... September 22. Last start, we didn't see the best of her, but it was wait for age down the straight, and she may have come to the end of her preparation. Henry Dwyer, good morning, Henry. Hey, Steve, how are you going? Good, thank you. Was that the case last start? Uh, I know it was wait for age, and it was a hot race, but nevertheless, she just got a bit tired there late? Yeah, I think so. Um, she'd had a pretty busy preparation to that stage. She was pretty much ready to go, you know, two months earlier, and it's hard with these top-level sprinters to sustain preparations, and particularly with the fillies and mares. She, you know, that night at Mooney Valley where she ran second to Imperatrice, I think she gave her all that night and she was in, you know, really, really good condition and um, and might have just taken the wind out of her sails a bit and um, just flattened her for that uh, subsequent run. I dare say that was close to career best, even though she didn't win. They ran a record and I looked at her peak speed. It was very fast, actually faster than the mare, Imperatrice. She went 72.22 k's an hour as far as she was flying. Yeah, probably just from the home corner of the 200. She looked like she was going to win there, Steve. I was up and about a little bit and then uh, just that good mare down the outside nabbed her late, so... Um, but she couldn't have done any more, I think, as you say. Probably ratings have it as her best run and um, hard to argue with it. That's the beauty of us. You know, we've seen, well, like in that race you mentioned, she was one out, one back. We've seen her outside lead. We've seen a lead. She seems pretty relaxed as fewer these days. Yeah, she's never been one of those hard-going horses. She's got a really good cruising speed and a really good turn of foot off a high cruising speed. But she's not one of those 1,000-metre horses that reefs and tears and charges and they don't see out any trip because of it. She really does conserve herself and... She can, wherever she draws, be ridden quietly. We sort of, no, no fault of anyone or no, not by design, but in the Oakley Plate, first up last year, she, um, she she missed the start a couple of lengths and she was ridden quietly in the second half of the field and she really worked home well down the outside and um, probably just peaked on her run at the 50-metre mark there up the hill there at Sandown. But um, Oakley Plate this year at Caulfield suits her a lot better next time. She loves Caulfield, doesn't she? And she's got a terrific fresh record as well. Yeah, I think she does like Caulfield, but it's, it's probably, you know, most of her runs have been there just through circumstance, not through, you know, want. It's just those good sprints over 1,100 there, and it sort of suits her, the race pattern. So, um, yeah, that, that's her bread and butter. We know that. We've tested her at 1,200 a couple of times. Um, early in her career, she led and just got run down late in the Kevin Hayes, and then, obviously, uh, the... the, the um, uh, the VRC Sprint Classic at the end of last preparation, she didn't quite see it out. But you mentioned earlier a record, I think 15 starts for eight wins. She should have won that night at Mooney Valley, as you said, the, which was a you know benchmark 78 or something, and then probably should have won the Galaxy last year too. So a record probably should be better. And out of the scale of this race, given she's the highest rated horse in it, she's well placed here in the Rubicon. Oh, no doubt. Like she's she's rated 111, and she's you know, got, you know, within a kilo of horses that are rated in the, you know, the mid-80s and the 90s. So she should be giving him a significant amount of weight, and she's not. She will be in the Oakley Plate, I'd say. Um, so she'd, you know, need to win tomorrow to, to justify a, a favouritism in an Oakley Plate, I'd say. We've, t- we've done a lot of interviews about her in the past, and uh, you, you're talking about, you know, she's taken a bit of managing, hasn't she, throughout her career, Asfura? 
Yeah, just more more so patience. She was quite immature early. That's why she never made much. Well, she didn't make any money through the sale ring she was passed in. But just a, a little bit wonky legged and a little bit immature in her bones. And it just took a while to get to the track. So that was the first thing. And then mentally, she she was quite hot early doors, and she really has settled down with time, which is great. A bit of maturity into the time, but um, yeah, just was quite hot early doors and bought herself undone. Well, not really because she was winning races, but she wasn't winning as well as she should have been because she was cooking herself before the race and behind the barriers and that sort of stuff, whereas now she just has the earmuffs on, goes around the barriers with the pony and is nice and quiet, so it's good. Did you trial a recently Great Western where she looked lovely and relaxed? She won the jump out of the heat. Uh, did she have the earmuffs on in that? Yeah, she did. Um, and uh, uh, sort of we, we, work, we work her in earmuffs every morning, really, unless we're going to give her a good gallop, we'll take them off, but... The must really dull her a lot, and we know that, and that's why look, she won the jump out, but they just cruised around in slow time, and she was on the bridle. Um, not really asked for an effort, but uh, I think, you know, there were inferior horses behind her, and she just did what she had to, but different horse with the earmuffs, um, earmuffs off. That race we replayed was the Heath Fresh Up last September. Is she in similar order, or is she in better order? She sat outside the lead and got it done that particular day outside Midwest. I'd say she's a little bit more forward than, than that particular preparation. Just a, a quick turnaround from the spring or late spring to early autumn. Um, she only had four weeks or five weeks in the paddock and um, put on a bit of condition, but she, she maintained her physique and muscle tone. And really, we've just kept ticking her over. She's had that soft trial at Great Western. She might have had two or three gallops before that and a couple of gallops since that. But she seems really good in her you know heart rate recovery and the rest of the data we see from her. And had to need a lot of work to get back to full fitness. You mentioned the Oakley Plate. She ran very well uh, coming from off behind Uncommon James last year. Zoo style, of course, went that crazy speed up front from an outside gate. Uh, she had 53. And obviously, her rating's gone up. So what are we thinking there in the Oakley Plate in a few weeks? Uh, race pattern-wise? Um, just weight-wise, Henry. Weight-wise, yeah. Mm. No, she, um, I think I, if you look through the market, there's nothing really rated above her. So she's 111. It'd be lovely if there was a gelding there rated, you know, 112, 113, 114, because she gets a two kilo allowance off that. But I think they've got to have a, a, a natural top weight of 58 kilos, which means if there's nothing above her, then that, you know, if there's something rated 109, which is two points below her, that's a boy, it'll get a kilo more than her. Or 107, it'll get two kilos more than her. So if it's 107 rated, it'll be 58 and will be 56. But uh, sorry, it'll be 58 and will be 58. But um, yeah, I just um, it just depends on what else is in the race. So she's probably going to get at least 56 kilos. I'd say. Mm. Last year you went Galaxy. You mentioned she didn't have any luck behind Maria Mir. Then you took her over to the West for the Quaker. What do you beside after the Gal, after the Oakley Plate? Will you look at Galaxy again? And, and that was the other, the 1,200-meter race I missed before the Quokka. She, she ran really well, but just ran fourth and just got tired of the last 50. So if you take her three, you know, 1,200-meter runs out of the equation, she's had eight wins from 12 starts. And if you add in the two that she probably had no luck and should have won, she's 10 wins from 12 starts. So now that we've got her pegged, we won't run her over 1,200 again. We know that. We won't go to the Quokka. Um, we may go to the Galaxy. It just depends on... Um, plans for overseas, which is obviously the next piece of the puzzle and, and how we think things are going to play out there. So in an ideal world, we'd, we'd win the Oakley Plate and she could have a little little freshen up before she flies over Europe and has plenty of time to settle in there. The, the Galaxy's three weeks after the Oakley Plate, so it's just three weeks you can't have a break for. Um, so we'll just yeah, weigh it up depending on how she has the Oakley Plate and how she comes through it as to what her travel aspirations are and whether it's the Galaxy or straight to Europe. For the King's Standard, are there other options up there as well? 
Yeah, definitely. If we get over there early enough, I wouldn't mind giving her a run before the King Stand. Um, there's a race called the Temple Stakes at Haydock Park. Um, it's two or three weeks early. I think it's a Group 2 sprint, over 1,000 metres. There's the King Stand. You can go to um, the Goodwood Festival. There's a Group 2 there. I think it's the King George, the 1,000 metre sprint. You can go to the uh, the Nunthorpe up at uh, the, the Ebor Festival at York. It's a 1,000 metre sprint on a flat track. You can go to the Curra. There's a race they call the Flying Five there, five furlongs, 1,000 metres. Group one again. Um, you've got the Pre-La Bay at Longchamp, 1,000 metres on a straight track. So they're, they're all really good options for her, and that's the whole, whole reason we're going over there. There's more options there than there is here. So if you can overcome the logistical challenges of it um, and the um, you know changing seasons and the rest of it, it's, um, they're, they're just flat out better races for it. What would be the challenge, challenges logistically you're referring to? Well, well, it's a cost challenge as well because it's probably there's no change out of seventy or eighty thousand for the for the flights there and back, um, and obviously expensive having staff away and having her boarded and all the rest of it. But logistically, you're changing seasons, so you know if she flies over in, for example, April, or you know most of them go for Alaska, which is early June, they fly over um, late May, and by that stage the weather's turned here, they're starting to grow winter coats, the, the, the temperatures are cold at night, the daylight hours are short whereas they're going over there to the European summer and the daylight hours are long and days are getting warmer and it's just a, it just throws them right out of whack um, whereas if we can try and beat that curve a little bit and get over there earlier um, for example mid to late March she gets, you know, she leaves here in a similar temperature zone to what she arrives there and has plenty of time to, to settle into the daylight hours and she'll sort of convert naturally to the seasons. Whereas if you get over the last minute, it's okay. If you're just running at Ascot, you, know, you, you don't get time to really lose condition or, or not handle it. But because we're having a whole preparation over there, it'd be nice for her to settle in and go right through. All right, you sound quite serious about it. So when would you have to go into quarantine, say, after a Galaxy run? Yeah, um, I don't think there's a, there's a heap of quarantine required for England. Okay. Um, you've got to have inoculations and that sort of stuff. Um I, and then the other the other angle of it is at the, the other end is maybe there's a there's, well there is a race in America for her but if she's you know it just depends on what happens in Europe and if her film forms good and she's still up to it it's, it's very easy to get to um, San Diego where Delmar is for the, the Breeders Cup meeting which is just over our Spring Carnival early November so plenty of options for us Steve anyway but we need to get through tomorrow and two weeks at Caulfield. Excellent. Well, that's Ash Fuhrer. I see you've got a relation in tonight, a three-year-old, Akid Mafid, the sire, same mare, golden child. Look, he, he looked solid in a trial recently where he was pushed out to winner. What are you thinking? What's your thoughts with Moke's son? Yeah, he's a nice enough horse. We bought him in Adelaide for maybe 100000 120000 something like that. And that was just when Ash Fuhrer was just starting to sort of get going. And so we had a good opinion of her, but I didn't know she'd be what she is. Um, he's no Aspura, but he's a nice sort of thousand, eleven hundred, maybe twelve hundred meter horse. He's got a similar profile, similar action to her in that he's only got a short stride, but he's got a really quick stride frequency, which is her greatest strength. And he, he his jump outs have been good. He was given a push last time at um, Campan, I think it was, and he um, really trialed well. So a bit of a stiff task, a city maiden at Mini Valley on a Friday night first up, but. He's in the market, and I'd say he'd be finishing top three. All right, that's Moke Sun tonight at Mooney Valley. A couple of the horses I just want to get an update on. What about the the, the star steeplechaser? Hasn't been seen since the Grand National at Ballarat. That's Brungle Birdie. Yeah, he's back in the swing of things. He's uh, had a little jump out. He tried the same morning at Aspera at Great Western there. Uh, he'll trial again at Ararat next Monday, and then 
he just gets very dour very quickly, this horse, and, and we, we identified that last time and just gave him a very light preparation into the, the Grand National. And, and the other thing is he, he, he's not competitive in races shorter than the Grand National or the Grand Annual, so there's only really two races that he can win a year, and we'll give him one lead-up run into the, the Grand Annual this year, um, which will be at um, Pakenham, I think, the Spencer steeple maybe. It's a 4,500-metre steeplechase. I think it's two and a half or three weeks earlier than Warnable. And he'll have maybe a couple of runs on the flat just to, just to warm up for the jumps. But uh, he uh, he's got it all ahead of him. He's a, a nice, he's a nine year or eight or nine year old, I think. But um, they race till they're twelve. These steeplechases they don't start till you know he never raced till he was a four year old. So um, he's in good order, and uh, hopefully he can uh, yeah get through the uh, Grand Annual at Warrnambool. Gee, you must just uh, really give him a lot of long, slow work to get him you know second up into a fifty five hundred, isn't it? The Grand well, Annual. Well. But- funny you should take because we don't because he if, if we do do that he does get too dow he's naturally just a machine of a stage just must have a massive set of lungs and cardio system and he's a big sort of i think lee horner rode him the first time and he just said he's like a big old starting up a big old tractor like takes a while to build up but you just can't slow him down once he does get going and even at the end of the 5500 um or the 4600 it was in the grand national he just he couldn't pull him up he just wanted to go another lap so He's just a machine, and you don't really need to pull the work and get in there. If you do, you just make him too slow. All right. Well, that's Brungle Bertie. You've got a horse going really well. That's one. It's past couple, uh, and I'm speaking of, I think, a mare, the Autumn Bell, or a filly. Yeah, yeah, she's a nice filly. She's going to head towards those um, Adelaide group fillies races. So you got a nice progression. you got the Lalalia over a mile, the Aurora over 1,800 two or three weeks later, and then you've got the... Um, South Australian Oaks over 2,000, which is your group one, two or three weeks later. So she's just having a little freshen up. We could have gone on with her after her last run, um, but it just it's for a fine little filly. It's very hard to sort of keep going for another couple of months after that. So we selected to go early with a little freshen up. So she's had a 10 days in the paddock and 10 days down at the beach, and she'll arrive back at Ballarat next week. And, yeah, we might find one race for her here over a mile and then um, over Adelaide for the mile race, then 1,800, then 2,000. That's the Autumn Bell. What does her mum ring bells with me, winning bell? Uh, she was a good mare. She won an AJC Oaks as she a did, did she? three-year-old. Yeah. I reckon she ran second, Maccabi Diva, in an Australian Cup, maybe. Okay. Jay Waterhouse had her. She raced in those lime and yellow colours. She she was a good mare. She probably won five or six group races. Um she was bred by the Esplan family um, up in New South Wales, and so we bought this filly off them. Um, and she's a, she's a beauty. She's only going to improve with time, and I think once we get a set of blinkers on her too, she'll be a different filly once again. So I think she's a real chance to go to those group races and run well in Adelaide. Yeah, you spot on second to Mackay in the Australian Cup. Later, the man was third. Gee, that's going back away. Um, 2005. <laughs> and making uh, us feel old, Steve. Yeah, that's right. She was placed in an Oaks too in Queensland behind Vouvray uh, many years ago as well. That's mm-hmm. winning bell. All, all right. And Nishino Crescent, a Japanese-bred horse you produced to win the other day at sale? Nishino yeah, he, he's a tricky sort of horse. He does a lot wrong and he's got a few quirks. So we're just still trying to find our way with him. And he's going to end up a 2,400-metre horse, but... I just don't want to get him there too early because he, he sort of tends to, to only do what he has to when he hits the front and tends to stop a bit and wait for them. So we're stepping up in trip and the lower tempo, he gets there too early and he, he, it's just a matter of teaching him. I think in Japan he was running around in races that were too strong with him and he just lost a bit of interest, to be honest. So he's come here, he came here as a nine-start maiden and obviously back to weaker company and he's sort of getting a bit of a winning habit about him in weaker races and he'll have to step up soon enough, but we'll just keep him winning for the time being. And, 
he's just had a little freshen up after the other day because there wasn't many options for him. But I think he'd be better on soft tracks too. So he's probably going to be seen again in about six weeks, um, tail end of autumn and moving into autumn, early winter. Do you want me to get you fired up as we leave you this morning? Oh, absolutely. What call do you reckon I'm going to produce here? <laughs> I don't know. I'll Go give you a clue. Not, you got not a very good impersonation. <laughs> See ya. Birdie over it in front for Horner. Bellex wins the challenger. Then Castro Francaroo. Brungle Birdie's got one to get over in the national. He gets over it well. The locals three legs in front. Bellex wins out on his feet. Then Castro Francaroo. But it's Brungle Birdie in front. And Brungle Birdie's going to cause a big boil over for Horner, who has a look around and sees a national victory. Five lengths to Bellex one. As Henry Castro said, he could have probably gone around again. Incredible, isn't it? Um, Brungle Birdie paid about 30 bucks that day for Lee Horner on the tote at Ballarat. That was his last run. So he's heading to Warrnambool, as we've said many times. If you want to a seat to Warrnambool, you want to do it in style, not stress about accommodation, transportation. Um, worry about tickets getting into the three days of the carnival. Let Ambassador Travel do it for you. Three double two nine six triple five. Give Peter Harney a call. He'd be doing nothing today. <laughs> the, the Silver Fox, give him a call. His family are involved. Of course, daughter Tanya, granddaughter Bella as well. Well, you can go to the website. That's your best bet, isn't it? Ambassadortravel.com.au.